Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. For those that have come dressed in your heritage attire, you have to get a photo taken of yourself by Amy Kulmanaris. Um, that's what the competition will be judged in this week. And then next Sunday, we will announce the best individual and the best couple. So I think Ruben and uh, Liesl Platt are probably in the running uh, with their Mozambican outfits. Um, then, of course, Molise and I definitely in the running. I was going to put on my blazer this morning, but I'm a bit hot, so forgive me for that. But make sure that they take a photo of you uh, in the visitor's lounge in the front of the church. Fran, won't you come? So now what happened last week, Fran, did such a great job. And everybody commented on how she reads scripture. And I think in that we're saying, stop reading the scripture, Johan. So I'm just going to like write, get in there and let Fran read my scriptures from now on. How's that? Right, so this morning's scripture is Matthew 26, 30 to 35, and then uh, from 69 to 75. Jesus foretells Peter's denial. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Thank you for your word, God. If that's all that we get, that is enough, Lord. Your living word read over us. Holy Spirit, come and make it alive. I pray, God, for the ability to deliver what you want to say to your children, for the anointing to be succinct and clear. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, it is my incredible privilege to wrap up his stories. Been a good series, eh? Challenging and entertaining. Your slide up. 
Isn't it amazing how God gives us diversity? But let me just warn us, we are never allowed to celebrate diversity for diversity's sake. We celebrate diversity because that's God's glory. Let that never, ever be a, a misunderstanding. Now, to, to put the, or wrap up this thing in, in context in my mind, whoever watched A Night's Tale, Heath Ledger's, a night's tale. And um, there's this little caveat in this tiny little, almost like a vignette that happens in part of the movie. Where you just see they now travel to the, to the next place and there's this um, monk in his attire and he's saying to the people, Cock-a-doodle once, I know him not. Cock-a-doodle twice, I know him not. Cock-a-doodle thrice. I know him not. And my point is this morning, cock-a-doodle once, cock-a-doodle twice, cock-a-doodle thrice. I thought it was more entertaining. Well, go watch the movie next time you laugh about it. <clears throat> and also, winter has served me very well. I put on my Pakistani outfit this morning. Because everybody knows I'm, I'm mysterious and attractive. <laughs> and I ended up looking like vacuum-packed ground beef. <laughs> so I thought, my heritage is y'all need Jesus, because y'all just laughed at your pastor. <laughs> my heritage is, is God in your face. I look at this portion and I think Sunday school taught me that this man, oh, he blew it big time. Peter blew it. He made a royal hash of standing for Christ. I remember leaving that from where Chris taught us in the gallery in the AFM church in Ranfontein, where he taught us, you thought, I never want to be a Peter. Never. He blew it more than anyone else. I remember thinking, how could God trust him again? Because when he had to stand for God, he didn't. And then they would rub it in. It was a little servant girl. A child that came to him and said, you are with Jesus. And he couldn't even stand up to this little child. And he still said, cock-a-doodle once, I know him not. And I went and I, go, I went and looked at the life of Peter, and, and Peter was amazing. I think if more of us could become like Peter in his latter years, the world would be a far different place. But my personal experience, leaving Sunday school, is this story left me thinking, I don't want to do this. And at some stages, if Peter couldn't do it, how can I? It left me with a sense of hopelessness instead of a sense of, I can do this in Christ. But we look at 
at Peter. Strong leader. He was the brother of? Come, where are the theologians in this congregation? Andrew. The brother of Andrew, guys. The friend of? <laughs> yes, of course. The sons of Zebedee. The zealots. The sons of thunder. They were all zealots. These are the people that believed the Messiah was going to come. And through sheer military prowess and strength, he's going he's to overthrow the Roman government and the empire and reestablish the Jewish king. They believed it. He was one of them. He was passionate, aggressive. He was also, unfortunately, a little bit impetuous. On the spur of the moment, not thinking things through. He goes as far as when Jesus says something, he rebukes him. He rebukes Jesus. No, Lord, no. I must say, I sometimes fall in that category. Who's with me? Go and speak to this person. No, Lord, no. Go and give this away. No, Lord, no. But anyway, just, you know. He was, he was a, a hothead. Some would say he was a Dutchman. <laughs> he was charismatic. When he spoke, people listened. You know that almost every time he's mentioned, it is Peter and the disciples. <laughs> It is Peter and this. Always there's some preference given to him in, in mention. It's like when people look at Molise and I, they say, Molise and Johan. You know? But he was a multi-capacitous person. He had a boat. He owned a boat. Man of self-made means. He had a wife and a mother-in-law. He had capacity. He had it. He was arrogant. At stages, terribly insecure. But he was courageous. He was brave. And he was a mighty, mighty vessel in a surrendered space in the hand of God. You go and read about him in... in in the Gospels, and you can see the growth when you read Acts, when you see Peter, and then you read the two letters, First and Second Peter, and you can see how he has allowed God to drop things in his heart and reveal himself, and how he, he, he changed, and he grew, and he matured into the other churches called St. Peter, Cephas, the rock, the one with the revelation that Jesus could build and spoke about my church. This is the character we have here. But in my life, I wasn't presented with a full picture of Peter. I didn't go and seek it out. And that's what histories, the series was all about. I hope that you got glimmers and glimpses of stories that you believed and things that you settled as theology 
And you went and explored it for yourself and allowed God to grow in you. That was the main thing of his stories. But cock-a-doodle once. My first point. I just called it heritage. So um, allow me to take some liberty in stretching heritage into the message. Heritage and definition says it's an inheritance, a property of valued objects, valued qualities. It says it's fine craftsmanship denoting a breed of livestock. (laughs) A special or individual possession. An allotted portion. And then archaic, it refers to the heritage of God, the chosen people of God. Heritage. Now, there's this, and please follow my journey here because you know I can be quite verbose and that's why I pray always to be succinct. But have you ever spoken to a person and they said, uh, won't you lend or, or, or borrow me something? And then you go back, you flash back to high school English and you're like, that, it's, it's, I know the words are right, but the, 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 it doesn't sound right. It, 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 it offends my senses. Because you lend to, but borrow from. Now, Afrikaans is makkelijk, jy leen net. There's no confusion there. Ek leen vir jou en jy leen vir my. Dis dit. But no, the English have to be all Dutchess-like and proper. But I want to take this morning, cock-a-doodle ones, ones, being like our natural heritage. This thing that we, we get. And I want to end on something of the legacy of Christ, which is more about what the person who gave left. And heritage being the word of what we get from the person who left it. Does that concept make sense? If I'm going to talk about legacy and heritage, you get the difference here. So heritage is what I get, but legacy is what somebody left for me. Slight nuance, and and you might say I'm just playing semantic games here. I am. But heritage, cock-a-doodle once. (laughs) It doesn't really matter what heritage we are, does it? Because this morning in every language that we possibly could muster up and in a drawn-out rendition of how great is our God, he was glorified. In Afrikaans and, and, and Tamil and Hindi and Gujarati and, and Spanish and Portuguese and French and Italian and English and, and all the languages, that, that is what matters. Him glorified, not where we come from. You ever heard people say, yeah, no, I'm a bit of a hothead because I'm Dutch. I'm a little bit of a, a, a fighter because I'm Irish. I'm a little bit this because I'm this. I love food because I'm Italian. I eat hot food because I'm, and I love tribe because I'm African. Oh, come on, guys. But we, our heritage has actually nothing to do with our hair, our DNA, our genetics, and where we come from. The second thing, our heritage sometimes is confused for our life experiences. Simple psychology here. 
I have lived through something. And in that moment, there was a response to something that happened and it conditioned me into expecting that reaction or reacting in that way again. Grew up with a, 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 an aggressive dad. When you make a mistake, you flinch automatically, no matter whose presence you are in, because there was always a violent reaction towards it. When I see food, I have a happy feeling. I'm conditioned, like Pavlov's dog. Simple psychology. Now somebody says, that is where I come from. That is who I am. That is my heritage. I am a set of actions and response and consequences and conditions. I want to say rubbish. The enemy would like you to believe that's what you are because he wants to keep you in the state of bondage. But in Christ, there is a new creation. This is where the Americans should come in and say, that's good. <laughs> Hallelujah. The second thing about heritage that we have to walk in is, is unfortunately we succumb like our dear friend Peter. And in a moment of trauma, in a moment of challenge, in a moment of weakness, we default to our heritage. What happens? And he's called by Jesus in 1 John 35 to 42 because his brother says, come, we have found the Messiah that the prophet spoke about. We have found him. And he leaves everything and he goes and he joins Jesus. He has a call. And now after he's gone and stumbled and messed up and denied Christ, this man defaults back to that state. He goes back to being a fisherman. You see, if we do not guard, we will succumb to what the enemy tells us and we will default to our heritage. Does it make sense? Is it very boring? I'm trying to perform for my audience because I really believe there's something God wants to break this morning. But a couple of things. I've got one, two, three, four, five things that I feel Peter Five things that I feel Peter lost. His call, first of all, he knew Jesus called him, but he goes back to being a fisherman. The second thing, his Christology, his confirmation of Christ, where he says, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. <laughs> he loses it. He loses it because of his impatience and his self-importance. And then he goes through another sea, a sea of correction. <laughs> he says to Jesus, you, Jesus, shush, you can't say that. And Jesus says to him and corrects him, get thee behind me, Satan. And this man's heritage is arrogance. We see this. And in, in his conviction in Matthew 26, 30 to 35, he says, everybody shall deny you, but I, I shall not. His self-righteousness as he's in his heritage, he, he stands and he says, I can do this. And then, of course, the capriciousness of who he is. 
Because the one moment he declares and a few verses later he denies. In this moment of weakness and trauma and challenge, our friend Peter, this amazing apostle and disciple of Jesus Christ, defaults into his heritage. A heritage where he is only a fisherman, where he is impatient, impatient and self-important, where he is arrogant of heart, where he is self-righteous and where he is capricious. The warning I felt for us as a congregation is, <laughs> what heritage are we defaulting into? And what heritage are we holding on to? I first wanted to call this first point natural heritage, and my second point spiritual. But I want us to differentiate between the two. Cockadoodle twice. Legacy. Jesus Christ. So if we do the borrower and the lend, and we know that heritage is what we get, but legacy is what he leaves for us. Matthew 16, 24 to 28. Please turn there in your Bible. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The same word here. That says, Peter said, denied and said, I know him not. It's the same word that Jesus uses that says, if you do not deny yourself and follow me, there is no hope. Do you, do you understand that he didn't just say this? Our Messiah, Jesus Christ. He lived it. The only reason you and I can walk in denial of self is because our Savior gave us the way. He made a, a pattern that we can follow. He's den he denied himself. The Bible says he counted being God as nothing. He surrendered his, his, his godness and came to earth. He denied who he was. So that we can walk in the same design. A legacy of our Jesus Christ. We get to walk in the victory of self-denial. 
The world out there is shouting at us louder than I can. And they're saying, hold on to your heritage. It's who you are. Fight for it. Fight for your uniqueness. That's who you are. And our Savior comes and he says, deny who you are and walk in what I have shown you and be fulfilled. The greatest legacy that he leaves for us is that we can walk in his purpose for us, his design, his nature, his, his our heritage. Are you going to walk in your heritage? Are you going to stamp your little feet and raise your little voice and fight for your uniqueness? Or are you going to bend your knee and say in this season, my Lord, I take, a, take up the legacy of your purpose for my life. Yesterday we prayed for the outreaches in this area. And you know what the thing is that, that we miss we forget what he has saved us from. We forget that our prize has been paid. And though it is simple in its application, it was not a cheap thing that happened. If I have to tally up what God saved me from. I was talking to a school friend the other day and he said to me, so why did you change your life and your lifestyle? I was like, in all honesty, that thing would have consumed me. It wouldn't just have cost me a bit. It would have cost me everything. I would have been destroyed, consumed, ravished, completely and utterly annihilated by my sinful past. It's the reality. And God says, go and speak to somebody. And I'm saying, send Duan. It's the elder in charge of evangelism. My kids ask me a, a question about the Bible. I say, go ask Auntie Laney. She reads a lot. And yesterday it gripped me. I had forgotten that that prize was paid for me. Over the period since like 17 years and 18 years when he called me back, I've become numb and I've become complacent and I have forgotten that a price was paid for my salvation. I pray for this church that we will get gripped that he did it for us so that we can step out and do it for this community that we are supposed to reach. Duan gave a testimony yesterday. He says he went to the hospital. Busa met to pray for somebody. While he's praying for somebody there, the nurse overhears him praying. And she says, I'm also in a desperate state. Please come and pray for me. While he goes to her and he starts talking to her, he realizes she hasn't accepted Jesus in a personal relationship as Savior. And he gets to lead her to the Lord. First fruits of this community. First fruits. But it took that man stepping out of his heritage, a stoic boor, that wears shorts in winter. <laughs> he wears two shorts. 
It took him to step out of that heritage and saying, God, there's a new legacy for me to walk in, in you. Will you allow the reality of his love and his price for you? And will you every now and again remind yourself what he saved you from so that in all humility you can pour yourself out like he did for us? Cockadoodle thrice. So I did the five C's, it didn't work for Peter. Then I did five C's for Jesus. Let's see if that one works. Just like Peter was called by Jesus, he calls you, my beloved. You are not the product of two people's accidental (laughs) colliding here on earth. You are not the forgotten product of a failed marriage or the runt of the litter. You are not the brat spoiled by parents. You are his beloved. The Christology. It's painful. It's grace. Just grace, nothing without grace. His Christology legacy for you to walk in is that undeserved, unending favor and love over you. Can you take up his legacy? When he says you are corrected. (laughs) Not because you were a right of disaster. But because he translated you from darkness to light. And he made you a new creation. Not a patched up work. A new creation. He comes and gives you a legacy of commitment. He said, I'm so committed to restore this relationship between myself and my humanity. The people I made to be in relationship with me. That I will give myself. Knowing that some of them will spit in my face. (laughs) He gives you a legacy of unchallenged commitment. He doesn't some days feel like he's for you and other days he's against you because, oh dear, (laughs) you got stuck without petrol. Oh dear, he missed it again. He was committed to Peter. He restored him three times over. He is committed to you. He's for you. I like you. I don't know how to say that in other languages. And his legacy is that there is certainty. Because he is the great I am.
oh my, he's the great I am that stands for you, stands with you, is in you, goes before you, hems you in from behind and on the sides, believes in you, he's the wind that carries you, he is the empowering that surrounds you, he is the hope that you have, he is the glory, the great I am, that's a certainty. That's the legacy we get to walk in. I ask myself, why, do the, why did the scholars and the historians and, and the people go and capture this silly little blip in Peter's life? It's in, just, it's in three of the Gospels. I mean, if Peter had to be with us now, he'd be like, oh, dear. Oh, let's read Matthew. No, skip that. Let's read. No, no, skip Luke. Mm -mm, no, skip. No, oh, dear. Why do they go and record the, the, the momentary failings of an incredible, incredible man? The only way I could make sense of this is John 21, 15 to 19. Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. I sent this to the elders yesterday. Psalm 51, 10 to 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me, and restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. The historians, in God's guidance and wisdom, records the blip in this man's life so that he can highlight the enormity of what a surrendered, repentant heart before him can achieve in him. Will you allow him to take your heritage and give you a legacy of purpose to walk in so that no matter what blip happens in your life, you can walk in restoration before him. I say this to you because there's joy in our salvation and this community needs us to walk in what he has called us to more than ever before. No matter what the evolutionists believe or confess, the world is not getting better. It is getting Worse, worserer, and worserest. They will come up with new ways of wickedness. You sit as a parent and you think I can just guard my child against what I lived through. Wake up. They need to be prepared. And the only preparation that can keep them standing 
is the word of God and the prayer of a parent. It's the reality. I am tearful today, but it is tears of conviction and tears of joy. <laughs> Make no mistake. Maybe what has happened somewhere in your life, somewhere in the recent past, somewhere in the distant, far past, you started trading off the legacy of Christ for your own efforts of heritage. I believe God wants to remove that this morning. I believe it's going to be spiritual breakthrough this morning. Not because I'm going to shout at you in tongues over the mic. But because we're going to do simply what Peter did. Climbed out of the boat. Rushed towards the shore. Met his savior. And sat at his feet and said, you know I love you. That's all. That is our point of restoration. And the enemy will have us believe that you need apostle so-and-so and prophet so-and-so and evangelist so-and-so and this one and that one to lay hands on you. When Jesus in his word records is as simple as repent, rush towards your savior, not away. Be raptured in his love and confess your love for him. I'm not going to force you today to stand. It's your own choice. I pray that where God wanted conviction, he has brought about conviction. I know where my heart is. And I know what he started doing in me. And I'm doing this prayer as a daily thing, God. Remind me that there's joy in my salvation. If that's you, won't you stand with me? We're not going to close the eyes. We're not going to play strings on the keys. We're just going to stand as children before our dad to say, Lord, we are running towards you, not away. And God, we love you. That's all. And Father, we stand before you now as children in simple surrender. Where we say, Father, we love you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triune God, the uncreated Yahweh, never-ending, immutable, sovereign, majestic God, who you are. We stand before you and we get to step into a loving relationship. And say, Lord, we receive your love. We receive your forgiveness. We are reminded of what you paid for us. And we are so grateful for what you have saved us from. And we step into you. We lean into you. We rush into you. And we say, Lord, we love you. Take a few moments and just tell him that you love him. Tell him that you receive his love. Tell him that he is everything to you. That's all. Let his revelation afresh and anew fall into your heart. Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. 
For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za.